0: for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Bears banter powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you coming at you after a Chicago Bears victory against none other than our former defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. Quite a few things to get into with that game. But before we do, just want to say that we will be joined a little bit later by Jim Miller, former Bears quarterback, Bears analyst all over the place in Chicago there, Fox and and the score and and everything that Jim does there. Excited to have Jim on. Got plenty to dive into. We're going to get a quarterback's perspective on Mitch Trubisky, see exactly what he thinks is going on with Mitch. Obviously, Mitch is the hot topic here. And and here's here's my plan, because I'm just going to say this right now. Right now, I am not the ship has not sailed on Mitch Trubisky, but it's at the port. They, they've loaded up the boat, the sails are up, everything's just about ready. So if Mitch wants to get things back in line and kind of get progressing in the right direction again, he is going to have to change things soon because we're starting to get close to the point of a of knowing who Mitch Trubisky is as a quarterback. And if it's where it is right now. It's not a lot of positives. So I don't want to sit here and and, and get people on one end and the other side of an argument. So, So here's the plan. Right now, I am going to spend some time on the game, some positives and negatives that came out of the Broncos game. I'm going to put Trubisky aside for the most part. And then we're going to talk to Jim Miller about the game, about the Redskins, about Mitch Trubisky. We'll have that conversation. Then I'm going to give you my thoughts on Mitch Trubisky after the interview. Now... If you're a Mitch Trubisky fan, I'm just gonna tell you, when we finish with Jim Miller, just stop the podcast. Of course, I want you to listen to the whole podcast. Just stop the podcast. I'm not here trying to troll Trubisky fans because I am a Trubisky fan and I want him to succeed, but I don't wanna sit here and have y'all tune out because of some negative things I have to say about Mitch. So we're gonna do that at the end of the podcast, but right now, let's spend some time talking about this victory on the Denver Broncos. Now, I'm not calling this a season saver. A lot of people are calling it a season saver because I really think all the Bears needed to do was get to three and two with the bye. But I would say this. If they lost that game in that fashion, that would have been really difficult to put that in your rearview mirror, focus on the Redskins, and finally get a victory. That would have been pretty darn heartbreaking. So that was an important win. One and one is... 10 times better than 0-2. That was an important win against Vic Fangio. And and let me just say this about Vic, because Vic as a defensive coordinator, I love Vic. Vic did a lot of great things. I've always said I think Vic's a little overrated. Vic with an elite... Talent defense is going to put them at the next level. We saw that last year, but Vic needs talent. Now the Broncos defense has some pieces, but it is not that defense that that we saw four, five, six years ago. It's not that good, and we're seeing that this year. I think Vic's kind of lost as a head coach. It's it's unfortunate, it was a dream of his. He's finally got it. You just just Vic just really just doesn't have that presence about him. Part of me thinks that maybe Vic just kind of still thought that he'd still be doing the same thing he did last year, except he'd have some press conferences and a couple things here or there to do. And that's about it. But being a head coach, as you know, is an entirely different ball game. So I have some concerns about the Broncos this year under Vic Fangio. They may be in for a very long season. Joe Flacco does not have it anymore. That's not a good offense and the defense is not elite. It's good, but it is not elite. So that, That's going to be some problems there for for Denver. But this is not a Denver Broncos podcast. This is a Chicago Bears podcast. So let's start with Eddie Pinheiro. Love what I've seen from Eddie Pinheiro. This guy, you know what he has? He has swagger. And he's a kicker with swagger, which of course when you hear that, you laugh. But I want my kicker to have swagger. I really do. I want him booming with confidence. I want him to say, coach, put me out there. I'm nailing that field goal. That's what I want. I want the guy who says, no, I'm practicing at Soldier Field. I will get used to those elements. I will be the best kicker the Chicago Bears have ever seen. I love that out of my kicker. Love it. And he went out there, he kicked long field goals. He kicked a clutch field goal. He did everything the Bears needed him to do. And he wins NFC special teams player of the week. And if he just missed one of those kicks, the Bears lose. So it was a great game from Bonero. Great to see it. Of course, it brings even more questions as to why the Bears went for it on fourth and 10 in in the game against the Packers the week prior, instead of kicking a 51-yard with Pinero. But there's no point to go back to that Packer game. And while we're on special teams, let's talk about Pat O'Donnell, who had some booming punts. Now, I am a believer in the Pat O'Donnell conspiracy theory about holding, but it seems to be working with Pinheiro right now. If you don't know about the conspiracy theory, just just search it on Twitter. You'll find it. You know, Pat O'Donnell. You'll find it. Holding. You'll find it. It's there. You'll see some tweets from Aaron Lemming, tweets from myself. So while I don't know if Pat O'Donnell's a great holder, and I didn't love the idea of bringing him back at the price they did, not that it was expensive, but you know, I'm, I'm fine with a UDFA punter, but Pat O'Donnell was a big part A big part of that victory yesterday had some great punts and had a good game against the Packers as well. He is off to a fantastic start and the time to start where you sit there and say, that's an all pro punter. I don't know if he's going to get there. We'll see how this goes over the next 14 games. But Pat O'Donnell playing really, really well. And you got to tip your cap to Chuck Pagano's defense that had another fantastic game. Now, they really started, the altitude got to them in the fourth quarter. They were gassed. The offense didn't do them any favors with a couple really untimely three and outs. But... Again, the defense looked very good. Not not, not turning the ball over like, like we saw last year with Fangio, but the offenses are not getting much going. They're really swarming the ball. A lot of positives going on there. And, I, and I'll tell you what, if you've got the ability to go back and watch the game, whether you, you have it on DVR or you have access to the All-22, d- do yourself a treat. Because I've heard a little, not a lot, but I've heard a little rumble, seen a little bit on Twitter about Khalil Mack, not quite being the force he was last year with Vic Fangio. Go watch Khalil Mack. Don't watch the game, just watch Khalil Mack. You are in for a treat. He dominated the Denver Broncos, just dominated. Yeah, he finally got some holding calls called against him. He was dynamite. So that, that idea of Khalil Mack being not quite as good with Pagano. I think Khalil Mack's in for a better season, honestly, than he had with Vic Fangio. I like what Pagano does with edges like that. Love watching Khalil Mack just obliterate the Broncos offensive line. So do yourself a favor, go back and watch that. Now, a couple of other things I want to address before we get to Jim Miller, and that's Buster Screen, who's having a nice season. I was very anti the Buster Screen signing. Why was I anti the Buster Screen signing was the fact that He has lapses, and those lapses result in penalties. I think he got away with one against the Packers, and, of course, we all know he hopped off sides against the Denver Broncos there on that extra point, which, of course, opened the door back to a two-point conversion and put the Bears behind the eight ball in the first place. So Buster screen, and that's what I have been screening about, ha ha ha, for months, is that while he is a versatile defensive back and can do multiple things, he will have penalties called against him. And that was a really, really tough one to deal with. That couldn't have come at a worse time. Obviously, the Bears were able to get around it, but that was a whole lot of trouble. And again, he's going to have defensive holding. They're going to come again. You're going to get frustrated with the penalties coming from screen. But we've seen how fan, or it was Fangio. We've seen how Pagano can utilize him in the blitz. He's very good in that aspect. He's been pretty sticky in coverage. So lots of positives with screen. But there's that first penalty that that I told you was coming, and there's more on the way. And the last thing I want to say. And it, it, I've had some unpopular responses to this is the Eddie Goldman slash Bradley Chubb roughing the passer penalties. Now, I will say the Leonard Floyd one, I did not agree with. I know he kind of picked him up, which is you know technically a body slam, but he literally just pulled him down on top of himself. I didn't think that penalty should have been called, but the roughing the passer penalty against Eddie Goldman and the one against Bradley Chubb. I have heard Bears fans, Broncos fans, national media, everyone screaming, terrible calls, terrible calls, terrible calls false. Those are not terrible calls. Those are good calls. It's a terrible rule. That's the issue here. Do not get mad at the officiating for those calls. Those were the proper calls. And I hear, oh, swallow the whistle on Bradley Chubb. That's not fair. This is not being a Bears homer. This is understanding what the rule is. The rule is if a defensive player Tackles the quarterback and his weight falls on top of said quarterback, like Bradley Chubb did. If you watch the replay, Bradley Chubb fell directly on top of Trubisky. Eddie Goldman fell directly on top of Joe Flacco. Now, you want to sit there and say, What are they supposed to do? I get that. That is a good, clean play by both of them. Neither of those should have been penalties, but the rule exists that if you wait, Falls on the quarterback, it's roughing the passer, and that's exactly what happened in both those cases. That was the right call from the official. Now, I hate that rule. That is a good, clean football play. You have to be able to put a finger on a quarterback. Look, they're not allowing you to put fingers on quarterbacks, and Drew Brees is is hitting a helmet or a hand, and he's going down for six weeks. Ben Roethlisberger's out for the year for just throwing the football. You can't protect these quarterbacks. They're dropping like, you know, Sam darnold has got mono. They can't seem to help the quarterbacks anyway. So. While I understand they want to protect quarterbacks, they want to keep them upright because quarterbacks sell tickets and and give you ratings. I get what the NFL wants to do that for. But the bottom line is, sometimes you just have to let defensive players play. And that's exactly what needs to happen there with that Chubb and the Goldman penalty. But again, as as the rule exists, it's a penalty. Those were good calls. All right. I have babbled enough, and we are going to get to our guest here, Jim Miller, in just a second. But before we do, let's take a very quick commercial break. We'll be back right after this. All right, welcome back to Bears Banter. And now, let's get to our guest. As promised, here he is. Jim Miller, former Chicago Bears quarterback. You can hear him on Bears All Access. You can see him on Fox 32 Chicago Bears postgame show. And, of course, you can hear him where I hear him all the time, Sirius XM's, NFL Radio's, Moving the Chains. He's the host 3 to 7 Eastern, 2 to 6 Chicago time. And he joins us now, Jim Bill Zimmerman, how are you today? Bill, always good to be with you and talk some Bears. I love talking to Jim Miller, my favorite guy. So, Mills, let's start with the end of the Broncos game. Eddie Pinheiro hits the
1: clutch field goal. Was that a season saver? Uh, yeah, I do. I think it was uh, It was big, not only for Eddie Pinheiro, but for the team. They, they needed that victory. Coming off a, a poor loss to the Green Bay Packers at, at home, and then just no – offensive production to to boot but for Eddie Panero you know, to, to make that game-winning kick, I do. I think it energizes everybody, plus it gives him a boost of confidence because they're going to need him. I think that is not the only one-score game the Bears are going to be in. As we, you know, found out last year, what, they were in 10 one-score games. So Eddie Pinero is going to be big moving forward, and that's a big confidence booster for him.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely huge. Now, now I had kind of the mentality going into the game that I, I really wanted to see the Bears get to 3-2 and two at the bye. I kind of thought after the, the rough loss to the Packers, that if they could do that, that would right the ship enough to when you get the buy, kind of re, you know, collect yourself and and then move forward and, and and see where you're at. But but I would say that. So I wasn't saying the Broncos game was must win because Redskins, Vikings, home Raiders. I mean, those they, 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 they can win all three of those games, obviously. But if they would have lost that game the way they lost it, I think that really, I know Nagy does a good job keeping the locker room up. I think that really would have been deflating for the whole team.
1: No, I I agree. I I think you know those. I you know I would have kind of been pre pressing the panic button as well because here your offense still I think it was better versus the Broncos but it's not where it needs to be you know Last year, they had a 10-point jump in points. They went from a 16-point-a-game offense up to uh, high 20s is what they were, 26.7 points a game. And I expected a bigger jump this year. I do think the Bears have the personnel where they can average you know high 20s, low 30-point uh, totals in every single game. And that has not materialized. I think ultimately it will, but it's been kind of baby steps moving forward uh, so far, and hopefully they have a bigger jump this week on offense versus the Redskins
0: yeah and, and I do think that 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 opportunity is there the way this Redskins defense has been playing so far and, and I want to get you on the offense but before I do uh, let, let me switch to the the very positive side of the ball and that's the defense we heard a lot in the offseason about the regression without Vic Fangio and and everything in, in that regard and how much he was going to be missed now we haven't seen the turnovers that that the Bears produced last year, but very pleased what Chuck Pagano's done the first two uh, two games of the year. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, he you know he has the ability to get aggressive. Not that he wants to blitz all the time, but there are certain times where he he's unleashed it at key moments where it's been successful. So he's added some wrinkles uh, from that side of things. Also, he's done some things differently. You know, last year Vic Fangio would always flop. The, the outside linebackers. So Floyd and Mack, sometimes, you know, if he felt he had a better matchup, say, on a right tackle, he put, uh, he put uh, you know Khalil Mack over on the, on the left side rather than the right side. This year, if you've looked at some of the games, fan, or excuse me, Chuck Pagano has lined up both Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd on the same side, and it actually led to a key sack uh, against Green Bay, where Leonard Floyd uh, had, I thought, his best game as a pro. He had a couple of sacks uh, in that matchup, and that's kind of a new wrinkle. And uh, to get some mismatches that way and then have the speed of Leonard, uh, basically Mack will kick down just a little bit further as a defensive end, and Floyd would be the stand-up outside uh, backer. And that's created some havoc if you really want to go after some guys. And granted, you're only bringing one extra guy, and that would just be Floyd, but it's really provided a lot of juice defensively for the Bears.
0: And 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 you brought up Leonard Floyd, so let me ask you about him really quick, because you know, Floyd, he, got, he had a rough start last year. I don't know if it was the cast or, what. you know, the, the the club he had on his hand. But that second half, he really started coming to his own. And it looks like he's building from that so far this season. Do you feel that Leonard Floyd maybe has finally arrived?
1: Yeah, I, I do. I think this has to be a quantum leap for him. And even Ted uh, Monchino, who came over with Chuck Pagano, believes he's got to make a quantum leap and, I, leap, and I think he has. I think he's a lot stronger than what he's been. Because, he. you know, even when he came out, he was a uh, – you know, he's a high-metabolism guy, so keeping on weight was a problem for him, and he was kind of wiry. Uh, he's hit the weight room. He's gotten a lot stronger. You can see his strength on the field, and he hasn't lost his speed. Uh, and I think for him, and I agree with you, it was last preseason game against Denver, he breaks his hand, and that did. It slowed him at the beginning of the year, but he finished strong, and he really has picked up from where he left off a season ago.
0: And and, and just, just to kind of talk about Khalil Mack on the other side, which, you know, he may not have had, you know, a he- – huge statistical impact the last two games, and the Packers, you know, if you want to complain about holds or whatever, there were a couple choke holds on him, whatever it might be. But I will say this: the Broncos game, he did it. He did have the one sack, but if you just, you know, sit there and rewatch the game and just focus on Cleo Mack or watch the All Twenty Two, he was wreaking havoc against that Broncos offense. He line. really,
1: he really does, and you can sense the pressure that he puts on on quarterbacks, where they get the sense of urgency and kind of that internal clock is going off in their head, where they throw the ball not on time, whether it's too early, uh, a lot of. times, Sometimes he's contacting the quarterback or he's just right there where the quarterback feels his presence and I think both Aaron Rodgers and Joe Flacco have felt that and I'm with you. He impacts the entire game. The whole game. He's he's having an impact on what he's doing every single play.
0: Yeah, it's it's so fun to watch and it's just one of those things. You Sometimes I know it's been, you know, 13 months or whatever, but he's still just kind of sitting there going, wow, Cleo Max a bear. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we move over to the offensive side of the ball, the one thing I want to ask you um, is the roughing the passer penalties called in that game. The one against Eddie Goldman and and the one against Bradley Chubb. The, the Leonard Floyd unnecessary roughness, I, I really didn't like that call. Now, I don't like the rule of the roughing the passer about the weight falling on the quarterback. I think a lot of times that just eliminates football plays, which is what I think Goldman and Chubb were, but to me, I think the officials made the right call based on the rule, but I've still seen people on both sides saying that's a good call. That's a bad call. Where do you stand on those plays?
1: Uh, I don't like it. I think they're bad, bad calls. You know, I I really do. You know, Floyd, you got to remember Royce Freeman is a 240 pound running back now. And if you look at that play in its uh, entirety, Floyd actually braces the fall. Of, you know, kind of like what uh, Clay Matthews did last year on Kirk Cousins. Remember, he he kind of braced the fall when he went in and sacked Kirk Cousins? Leonard Floyd did the same thing. He picks up Royce Freeman, who's a load, by the way, at 240 pounds, and braces the fall when they're going to the ground. So I didn't like that call at all, and he's a running back. Uh, at the end of the day, who's churning t- his legs, exactly. trying to get more yardage? So the play was not done, and basically Leonard Floyd said, "I'm about to make it done," you know. And, <laughs> but uh, he still was was careful in how he tackled him, uh, so they wouldn't get hurt and get an unnecessary roughness. Eddie Goldman, that's that's a textbook sack in the National Football League. I mean, you have a strike zone, right? And it's basically the uh, basically from the waist to the chest. And that's where Goldman goes in, and he hits Joe Flacco right in that strike zone, and it's just his momentum that carries him to the ground. I mean, right. body body weight is is now an, an issue in the NFL. This isn't a pillow fight. This is pro football. <laughs> at the end of the day, and then when you look at you know Bradley Chubb, which I I also agree, I do not think that was a penalty. It was an unfortunate, costly penalty uh, for the Broncos. But essentially, Leno is is almost pushing. Uh, Bradley Chubb into Mitchell Trubisky and it's just a continuation of the play and Mitchell hadn't even released the ball he's in the process of throwing the football going through his follow-through so it wasn't like there was a one step or two step because that rules in where you can't take two steps and hit the quarterback he was still trying to throw the ball so Bradley Chubb in my opinion is entitled to go in and hit Mitchell Trubisky Um, so hopefully the officials get a, get a hold of it. I understand why they're antsy. You got all these quarterbacks that are hurt and they're trying to protect the quarterback, but those are just football plays at the end of the day and I thought the officials uh, were over aggressive with those calls.
0: Uh, all right, I, and I, and I think that's fair. I was just, you know, my, and again, like I said, I do not like the rule. I think all those plays were perfectly fine. There was obviously no intent. There was there was not there was no helmets involved. There was there's was nothing other than the fact that when you look at the rules it says if the weight falls on the quarterback it's a penalty so I, I I agree with you there I mean they, they've at some point they still have to let these guys play football I understand you want to protect the head and the quarterbacks are the franchise and the ones that you know bring the ratings and put butts in the seats I get all that but it, like you said at the same time it's the National Football League and you got to let these guys play a little
1: yeah absolutely
0: so so let's switch to the the offensive side of the ball and and I know we're going to focus a little bit here on Nagy and Trubisky here but before we do that let me ask you the two things really quick I'll just piggyback them here Offensive line, really dreadful against Green Bay. Still had some issues, I felt, against Denver, but significantly improved. And David Montgomery wasn't used much against Green Bay, but we saw some flashes. And I think we saw even more flashes against Denver.
1: Yeah, and finally a a commitment to the running game where he got, you know, Good touches and a volume of them had 18 uh, runs uh, where it was handed off to him, and I think that allows, if anything, allows your offense to get in rhythm. I thought uh, Coach Nagy was too pass happy against the the Green Bay Packers. We know the it wasn't as balanced as what it needed to be. I think the Bears' offensive line is a lot better than what people give them credit for, and they got to use them. And that's what they're good at doing is run blocking uh, at the end of the day. And I thought Nagy did a good job versus Denver to focus on the areas of where they should have ran the ball. And that was primarily inside. Because if you saw the Raiders game a week before with Joshua Jacobs, that's where I think it's soft uh, for Denver. And plus, Denver had some linebackers banged up Todd, uh, Todd Davis. Yep. Todd Davis and uh, who am I thinking of Uh, Joseph uh, or Joe Joseph uh, is their other linebacker. He was banged up as well, but that's where the soft spot was, and the Bears kept on peppering that middle of the field because they really don't have big defensive tackles, which is odd because normally Vic Fangio believes in the beefy defensive tackles. If you just look at you know the Bears with Akeem Hicks and obviously Eddie Goldman, and they're light. Uh, in my opinion, when you look at Denver. So I thought the Bears were good, really uh, marinating that area, uh, the middle of the defense. A lot of those were inside runs, and then it started to open up the outside runs where you you get Cordero Patterson ripping off a 46-yarder because they were starting to condense their linebackers a little bit, and then they hit the big one on the outside. Running the football has to be paramount, and I, I just hope Nagy doesn't get out of that mode because sometimes he gets a little too pass-happy for my liking.
0: Yeah, and, and I completely agree with that. Last year, Jordan Howard, I understand You know, some people say, well, Nagy can, should kind of fit what Jordan Howard does into his offense. He really couldn't do that. Montgomery and these guys will definitely fit more with what Nagy does, so I'm with you. Hopefully he commits to the run because we saw – I mean, look, the touchdown, they, they didn't throw a pass. It was nine straight runs on that touchdown drive, so – Hopefully they do that, but let's get to the the hot topic in Chicago, which is of course Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I'll give you my quick synopsis. You know, you know, I know a lot of people like to throw out the John Fox year with the offense and everything. I don't think you can completely do that, but I do understand the the limitations of what that offense was and how much they limited him on the field. Last year, I gave Mitch a lot of the benefits of the doubt complicated new offense a lot of moving parts a lot of stuff going on that was a lot on a young quarterback to learn but this year I really you know that he was better at the end of last year those last few games in December and the second half against Philly really kind of thought he was going to build on that and really thought we'd see a big leap like we did with Carson Wentz like we did with even Patrick Mahomes his his first year obviously was his second year in the system I really kind of thought Mitch was going to make a big jump and we certainly haven't seen it the first two games
1: no I think it's it's been disjointed you know, the first, you know, against Green Bay, I, I I can see why. You know, you got a lot of moving parts. Again, they got out of a uh, – didn't get into rhythm because they were too pass happy uh, from that standpoint. But you do have new players that are getting more consistent, in my opinion. David Montgomery, I do think, fits the offense better, like you mentioned. He can work every blade of grass, and he's very creative with what he can do with the passing game with him. Tariq Cohen in my opinion, is probably going to be more involved in the, in the passing side of things as well. But when you bring on newcomers like Cordero Patterson, he's got to fit and find a role in, in this offense, and that goes with the new receivers that they draft as well when you look at Ridley and how they're going to try to incorporate them. So they've got to figure out where they're going to pick and choose, and I think that is causing some disruptions in what Mitchell is doing. I don't see enough down-the-field passing throws. OK, even when you look at the, say, the, the Green Bay game compared to the Denver game, I get it. They're trying to slow down the pass rush with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. But if you look at all those pass plays, they were designed one man routes. Essentially, their play action, wide receiver screens or running back screens. I don't see any down the field throws, even if they call just mirrored routes. That's going to force Mitchell Trubisky to read the defense and deliver the football. So I need to see more from that side of it moving forward. The passing game is way too inconsistent right now, and I'm with you. It should take a, uh, a jump from what it did a year ago. Once they sort out the personnel and what they're doing, I think it will, and I think Mitchell will settle in. It will be much better, much like he was last year when he was growing by leaps and bounds by the end of the season because that Minnesota game, and you brought up the Philly game, Minnesota on the road up in Minnesota was by far his best game. I saw a quarterback that beat the bit blitz consistently, came up big when his team needed to score to put the game out of reach for Minnesota, then comes back against Philly in the in the postseason game and shows up big for his team again uh, at the key moment. Has only 30 seconds, has to put the team in field goal range. Mitch did that much like he did in Denver last week. When the team needed him to come up big, he came up big with that throw to Allen Robinson. Just need to see more of that, through the first 55 minutes of a game rather than the last series.
0: All right, and uh, I, you know, you're know you the expert here. You're the one who played quarterback at the NFL level, not me. So that's why I have you on here to ask these questions. Because for me, what I saw in, in my eyes was was Trubisky, who was locking on the primary target and not looking for his secondary and, and, and third options. So so what you're saying is you, you don't think that was the case. You think that was more of a naggy design that said, all right, here's here's your first option, and, and, and that's where you're going, or you're dumping off in the flat.
1: Yeah, a lot of those were predetermined. Um, if you go back and watch the the, the tape, a lot of those are designed one-man routes where they're play action and then it's kind of look over here, but it's designed to go say a running back screen to the right. Um, and again, it, a lot of it was because they were trying to slow down the, the pass rush of Denver. Just keep those guys slowed down, run the football, continue to wear them out, do these one-man reads and, you know... It'll open up later in the game. So, as the game progressed, they started to do more. And the last drive was really the culmination of it, where he finally read the in-cut inside to Allen Robinson and threw a beautiful throw. Um, So, but that, they're just their straight drop-back passing game has to be better overall they know that they understand it and i do think it'll get better as the season goes along
0: yeah and and you know we you know like you said you want to see passes down the field we haven't seen a, a lot over the middle of the field as well where the, you know they're really picking on the on the left and the right sidelines so do you think in in your opinion i know it's probably impossible to to know for certain the 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 designs and the play calls that are being made do you think that's naggy concerned about opening it up for Trubisky and, and, you know, maybe cause, having turnovers and having issues and having the kids struggle. Or do you think this was designed in your eyes to just kind of limit pass rushes and get the ball out quickly?
1: I think it was designed. I, I really do. I think, uh, you know, when I talked to the coach coming out of training camp, he said he has grown significantly just in terms of volume of plays, the command of the offense, all those things have been better for Mitch. Incorporating guys like Trey Burton, who hasn't been there, new receivers, as I mentioned, that have come on board, running back and all those things. I think that will sort itself out as as they move forward. And I think Mitchell, the coach will then call the plays that he knows the the quarterback feels comfortable with and can execute at at a high level. And, you know, to date, really Trey Burton hasn't been a big factor in the offense. I think he'll be, more moving forward now that he's healed up finally from the groin uh injury and he's a big part of the offense that really was completely he wasn't even there all through the offseason i mean guy really hadn't practiced or been a part of anything he's going to be a key position that needs to be more incorporated in the offense and i think that alone is going to open up a lot of things for the bears offense
0: now and, and and trubisky obviously the one one of the aspects of his game that we know can be so dangerous are his legs We haven't seen him do much of that at all so far this season. Been staying in the pocket a lot. Is that Nagy trying to keep him a little more contained? Or do you think that's more on a defense, you know, not really letting him get out and kind of do his thing?
1: Yeah, I think it's more defensively. I think teams are conscious that he he can hurt you with his legs. I mean, last year he was fifth in the NFL uh, for, for quarterbacks for rushing the ball. I think he had a little over 400 yards. And, you know, even that Minnesota game, he got some key first downs that were crucial. Uh, for the Bears with with his feet. So I think teams want to do that to Mitchell. They want to keep him in the pocket, contain him, and make him beat you with his arm because he hasn't proven that yet. He really hasn't. There's such a small volume. I mean, the young man hasn't even started his 30th game in the National Football League yet. So there's still a small sample size where teams are trying to make Mitt prove that he can beat him with his arm. And that's the type of year I think it's going to be and where all bears fans are going to see whether he's taking the next step as a pure pocket passer and where his growth can get, can get to.
0: Yeah. And, and, and since you asked the arm, I'll, I'll, I'll bring that up. Where do you think his arm is and where do you think it can be? Cause against the Broncos until that Robinson play at the end of the game, You know, Trubisky there was I think it was O of six for yard passes beyond ten yards or O of seven, whatever it was. It wasn't good, and I don't you know, and that's where I sit there and say, well, maybe that's why Nagy's keeping the ball short because he doesn't think that you know stretching the defense and you know deeper passes are going to work. So where where do you think Mitch is on on I don't even want to say the deep ball, but even the mid
1: range ball? Yeah, I think I think he's an accurate passer. I think when he you know, as he continues to grow in the offense and he gets more experience and all the looks that he's seen, he's going to get more confident. From what I've seen of him, he's, he's a pretty quick learner in, in a quick study and doesn't make the same mistake twice a, as a quarterback. His arm strength is perfect. He's got the, the arm. He can make all the throws that are necessary in the NFL. Is it overpowering? No, but it's above average in terms of his arm strength, and I think his accuracy is better than what people think. A lot of it for him is his footwork. You know, last year he kind of looked frantic in, in the pocket going through his reads. This year you can see he's, he is much more calm Uh, with his feet in the pocket, and I think he understands where he's going with football. He doesn't always get all the looks right and all the reads right, but I think it's going to get better as he moves forward. And as for his arm angles, the guys can throw a football from various arm angles, which is very rare. I've compared him to Steve Young. I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's got the same build, same athleticism, and Steve Young could do that too where he could manipulate his arm and throw from different angles. Mitch can do that too, whether he's on the move or whether he's stationary in the pocket. So the talent is there. I just think for him, it's getting more confidence in the offense, trusting what he's seen, and then just rip the football. I think when he gets to that point, he's going to be just fine. So, you know, a lot of
0: people want to sit here and go year three. This is obviously a critical year, and we're going to know – Uh, You know, who Mitch is as a quarterback by by the end of the season or maybe even by the middle of this season for you. I mean, we know how limited he was at North Carolina with with only a few starts, you know, and obviously, you know, didn't start the first four games, missed a couple games last year. How many NFL starts do you feel he just, you know, total? You know, not not this year. You know, total. How many NFL starts total? Do you think Trubisky needs under his belt for us to really know who he is as a quarterback? I,
1: I, I think you're going to know by the end of the season because he'll reach that 30 start threshold, right? That's what Bill Parcell said. You need about 30 starts in the NFL before you should ju- judge a quarterback. And I think Mitch is getting to that point right now. Um, and I think these next few games moving forward and how he finishes the year, I think you're going to know whether you're all in or all out i Mitchell Trubisky, and the reasons why is he has the weapons around him now. The, yeah, support, so- gr- the support group is there, from the running backs to the wide receivers to the offensive line. So uh, I think this is kind of it. That as for passing or failing a test, Bears fans will know by the end of this year. So it feels like you're on the fence with him but leaning positive. I, I'm leaning positive. I think he is going to get better and better as the season goes on. And I just base that off of last year because where he was in week one, to where he uh, ended uh, up in Minnesota in the playoff game, he grew tremendously. Like that week one game, there's no way he could have beat the Vikings the way they were blitzing them week 17 mm-hmm. up in Minnesota. I mean, he just wasn't ready to handle that. But th- by the end of the year, he was. And I think he'll start to settle in this year. He'll get into a groove. And I think you're going to see leaps and bounds that he will grow in terms of his passing efficiency.
0: I I hope you're right, because I I agree with you. I I think the growth was tremendous. And and I'll even say this in in even like minor things. Like I was fortunate enough to have him on my podcast twice, once in July before the season and once down in Atlanta Mm -hmm. and just talking to him the difference with him answering questions and and the confidence in what he was saying versus July versus, you know, January, it was night and day. So, and, and just seeing the command of the offense, there was so much growth this year. And I just, I kind of felt that Mitch was going to be picking up from the Minnesota game and the Philly game. And, and he didn't pick up there, and I think that's where all the alarms went yeah,
1: off. Yeah, and, it, uh, you know, he's not the only one. And a lot of that is he didn't play in the preseason. Shoot, I thought the opening week, I didn't think Aaron Rodgers looked all that great either. He didn't. Uh, and, you know, and there is something. you got to play football at, at the end of the day. How are you going to get better at football if you don't play it? And they didn't play it. They didn't play it through the preseason. And I know everybody said, well, you know, we don't want to get guys injured, but I get that. But there is a trade-off with that, you know. When you're out there in a preseason game, there's something to be said when a defensive tackle's rolling up on your legs or you're getting hit, uh, you know, in in an actual game. You know, these quarterbacks go through every practice in a red jersey where right. nobody gets hit. That's not real football, and that's not, you know, that's just not how the game is played. And so there's something to be said about experiencing that a little bit in order to get better at your craft, because all of a sudden you're out there in live game action and it happens to you. And you're not ready for it. And I think that affected a lot of quarterbacks week one.
0: All right, and we'll wrap up with the the Redskins here. Monday Night Football, I know Mitch has been spotty on prime time, but this one really is a, an opportunity for him to really kind of step up and have a big game. The, the Redskins have really given up a lot to quarterbacks the first couple weeks. They really seem to kind of be in flux, you know, not really much of an identity here. Think things are positive for the Bears coming into Monday Night Football?
1: Yeah, this is this should be a good game, and I, I agree. The Redskins are better defensively than what people think, especially, you know, last week Jonathan Allen was out. He's a big player in their defense and uh, if he's back it becomes more difficult with the Bears but they've been disjointed on defense they've given up big plays they've had a lot of blown assignments that teams have made them pay and I would think this needs to be a game that the Bears can't Make it any different. They got to make the Washington Redskins pay, uh, pay uh, when they give up, uh, uh, when they make those uh, key mistakes that they've been making. So they're a good defense, but I think the Bears should be able to handle this one, uh, even though it's Monday Night primetime. on the road. The Bears are a better, better football team.
0: Absolutely. So there he is, Jim Miller, SiriusXM NFL Radio, moving the chains, three to seven Eastern, and of course Fox Chicago. You can see him on the post game there. Bears All Access. He's he's everywhere. Jim, thanks so much for jumping on. Really appreciate it. You bet. Bill, always good to be with you. All right, there he is, Jim Miller. Always good to talk to Mills. I've known Jim for a long time, and he's always always good to talk to and, and always a lot of fun. So uh, glad we could have that conversation. And I'll be honest, he made me feel a little better about Trubisky and a little worse about Nagy there in that conversation. I was definitely ready to put a lot more of the blame on Mitch than Nagy in the first two games here and what we've seen. Now, here, here's what I will say. You know, and again, I am not a quarterback that played at the NFL level like Jim Miller did. But I will say this. While some of those plays, like Jim said, were one were, you know, quick one read designed plays. I still sit there and say there's a lot to be desired with Trubisky that we haven't seen. Now, I think a lot of it, you know, I understand pass rush. You want to get the ball out quickly. But at the same time. I think a lot of these one design reads are because Mitch does struggle with the second and the third reads and he doesn't necessarily see the whole field and see the play as it's developing. I think that's a major concern at this point. And I think while maybe Nagy's designing some stuff for, you know, against this particular defensive scheme at the same time, what have we seen from Trubisky to know that he can handle scanning a defense? Look, Pre-snap reads, I have confidence in Mitch. I think he knows what he's doing there, really seems to, to, to have the, the right idea of what's going on there. He's not completely startled at what the defense is doing at the snap, but I just don't trust him in terms of as the play develops that he's seeing what he needs to be seeing. My, for example, against the Broncos, Taylor Gabriel was coming across the middle and then kind of went, went up the field and found a soft spot in the defense. and Trubisky rifled it over his head. Now, here's the situation with that play. Trubisky threw it to Taylor Gabriel like Gabriel was still going to be running full speed. The problem with that is had Gabriel not slowed down, he would have run into the next level of coverage. He would have made the play dangerous, either him getting hit hard, Trubisky potentially opening it up for an interception. So what what Gabriel did is he found the soft spot. If you watch the play again, he looks back for the ball and Trubisky fires it over his head. To me, that is Mitch Trubisky not reading the defense properly, seeing Gabriel finding a soft spot and then working his way up the field from there and trying to get one-on-one on the defender and making a play. So to me, that's where Trubisky is alarming that he doesn't recognize something like that. Another play in the final drive, and yes, I understand the final drive ended up positively, but two things, when you have 31 seconds to go and one timeout, dumping the ball off to Trey Burton on the first play for a four or five yard gain that wasn't even certain to get out of bounds, that's risky and that's a waste of time. Now, that's the play that had the Chubb roughing the passer, so that play was wiped out, and of course they jump up 15 yards, but that was a poor decision from Trubisky. I highly doubt that was the primary for Matt Nagy in that situation. That just doesn't accomplish anything for the offense. Second thing, when he throws the ball down the sideline to Allen Robinson in double coverage, that two things that that could be either one of them's a negative, either one, trying to force that ball into that double coverage, the way those defenders were set up was doomed. He had no chance to make that play. Now, On the alternative, you want to sit there and say, well, he wasn't trying to force that. He was throwing the ball away. All right. Well, then here's the problem with that. That play took seven seconds. You had 31 seconds total. That play took seven seconds. You cannot throw the football 40 yards down the field or whatever it was and eat up that much time while the ball's lofting down the field. That's just showing no awareness for the situation. And that's what's maddening with Mitch is he's not grasping the full gravity of the situation. And then while I say that on the final play, he... Has the pocket present? Steps up, creates time, finds Allen Robinson. Yes, Vic Fangio's in prevent for some stupid reason. And there's a perfect. You can fo- add Zimmerman SXM my Twitter feed. I did retweet it. You can see a photo that was grabbed. That is the perfect shot to show Trubisky having an idea of what's going on and the gravity of the situation. As Robinson's being tagged, he's already calling timeout. You can see one second on the clock. Trubisky made that entire field goal happen with a great play to Allen Robinson, having the wherewithal to call the timeout immediately. If he waited a split second, that's zeros, and the game is over. So he did everything on that play to set up Pinheiro for the field goal, which is where you sit there and say, that's Mitch Trubisky, that's a quarterback who's going to be a good quarterback, maybe not an elite quarterback, quarterback, but a good quarterback in the league for many years, where is that Mitch Trubisky all the time? That is what's so maddening. You know, even like the Tariq Cohen throw uh, early in the game that Simmons broke up. It was a great play by Simmons. I'm not going to criticize the play, but the people who are really supportive of Mitch Trubisky said they go, oh, wow, look at this. That was amazing. And look, he did a lot of great things in the pocket. Guy in his face and he launches the ball down the field, and Cohen almost comes up with it. The thing with that is, is, unfortunately, that ball was underthrown by a yard or two. I'm not gonna criticize it. There are not a lot of quarterbacks who can make that play, but we can't sit there and say, that was a great play and a great throw. If it was a great throw, if you look at it, Cohen had three yards on the defender, three yards. If that's in stride, Cohen scores. So, like I said, I'm not criticizing that. There's enough to criticize with Trubisky to not nitpick on that one. But there's just, there's still things that we need to see Mitch improve on. And, you know, I know Jim says, well, maybe it has to do with preseason and not getting a lot of true reps. But at the same time, I need to see Trubisky building on last season. And he's not, he's starting over again. And if he builds back up to where he was at the end of last season again, then we're just stuck in a vicious cycle. So look, Matt Nagy. I definitely agree with Jim that some of those play calls and they're they're a little spotty and you question what's going on. The question remains, is Matt Nagy calling these plays for the strategy and the game plan that he has put forth? Or is he calling these plays because he doesn't trust Mitch Trubisky to either throw the ball over the field or at least throw the ball down the field? I don't know. I don't know why the Bears aren't attacking the middle of the field. I don't know why the Bears aren't throwing the ball down the field on the sidelines and trying to utilize Allen Robinson constantly in one-on-one matchups. Because when they do that, it works out really well. So what is the problem? Is it Nagy or is it Trubisky? Chicken or egg? I have no idea what it is. I was definitely leaning a lot more towards Trubisky than I was to Nagy. I will say that I'm not leaning as much as I was there after talking with Jim Miller. But at the same time, Jim seemed to be pretty much 50-50 there on Nagy and Trubisky in terms of the issues, maybe even a little more towards Nagy. I definitely still think it's Trubisky. I think there's too much that's not happening in his head as a play develops, reads, finding the right receiver, knowing exactly where the defense is going, making sure he understands what everything is disguised and where the ball should and shouldn't be. I still think there's too many problems there. I think it's a big question mark. Now, the Redskins, I don't know Jonathan Allen's going to be questionable again. If he doesn't play, that's going to be a big boost for this team. But the Redskins' defense has been really spotty the first two weeks. Jim says they're not as bad as they've looked. But at the same time, if they look better this week, it's not going to be because they finally started playing better. It's going to be because Mitch Trubisky couldn't take advantage of the defense. We already know that's what the conversation's going to be. So let's make sure, Mitch, if you're listening, I know you're not, Mitch, if you're listening, let's get the ball down the field. Let's make some plays. Let's get, you know, make sure you're utilizing your receivers and your weapons properly, hitting the open guys, because they are open. If Trubisky's, t- if it's designed at Trubisky is not looking at these guys, well then Nagy needs to change things up because these players are open. They are not covered that tightly. Trubisky should be able to get the ball in these windows. This needs to happen against the Redskins. The Bears need to win this game and they need to win it comfortably. They don't need to win 31 to three, although it'd be great to see, but can we see a double double score win? Can we see 31 to 20? Can we see 27 to 14? That's what we need to see here. The Redskins are not a good team. The Bears are a good team. We need to see the Bears handle this game comfortably and get ready for Minnesota at home next week. So that's gonna do it for Bears Banter. and a lot going on there little bit of a lengthy episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next week. Bear down, everybody. Adios.